2: our guest preacher for today. Um, she is uh, my friend. Uh, she is my neighbor across the hall. It's really just a Friends episode that we live in. Um, and and uh, she and her husband have become really close with Chris and I. She is the pastor. This is um, Devin Earl. Her husband Rob Earl is with us as well. Um, and Rob, you want to wait? your hands. Hey, there's Rob. <laughs> um, she is one of the pastors on staff at Fairlington United Methodist Church. In the northern Virginia area, there are only um, four churches that are currently reconciling, all north of the Beltway, so we're, south, we're the first one um, that is even coming to this boat, south of the B- Beltway. Um, and one campus ministry so the campus ministry at george mason is also um, a reconciling um ministry um they have been reconciling for i don't know how long mark six 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 years years, six years mark is uh, so mark elder is also with us he um he's going to speak a little bit later but you can wave too um but he's from fairlington um and he also is integral in the reconciling process in Northern Virginia um, not just at Fairlington and so uh, but this is Devin and Devin thank you for being here on this
0: special day for us thank, thank you thank you it's my joy to be here today we've talked a lot about me coming at some point and so this is a special Sunday for you guys and I'm glad that I get to share in this day with you so will you turn to God in prayer with me oh God I give you thanks for Kingstown for this congregation for everything that they are and everything they have become. Be with them today as they continue to discern how to live into who they are. Help us to hear your word spoken to us so that we may know how to live out your love in our lives. Amen. stripped of her name, of her choice of what to wear, of her family, and of her individuality. Of Fred, is forced to wear a red habit that identifies her as a handmaid, and white blinders that isolate her from society when she ventures out to run errands for the family she has been assigned to. There are others dressed in red, handmaids too, but they aren't allowed to spend time together. That is, unless they're sent out of the house on these errands and they have to travel in pairs. But even then, there are strict regulations about what they can say, what they can talk about. They can talk about the way the war is going well or how the weather is, but nothing personal unless they share a code word that the other responds to and they know it's safe, safe to talk about other things. There's other women too, color-coded like the handmaids, wives wearing blue, Martha's who are domestic servants wearing green. There's ikano wives the wives of those who are poor who are wearing striped habits of multiple colors to symbolize the way that they have to do all these things. Living in a society that has stripped her of her individuality, stripped her of so much, of Fred longs to reach out and touch, to touch the hands of a fellow handmaid, to reach out and touch her daughter who was taken from her, to reach out and touch and experience love in this sterile environment that she has been forced to live in, of Fred, yearns for something more. For what once was, for what could be. Longingly, she reflects, I want to be held, to be told my name. I want to be valued in ways that I am not. I want to be more than valuable stripped of her name, stripped of her dignity by 12 long years of being called impure, stripped of all she had, the woman in the crowd was powerless, and she was vulnerable. Hoping for anything that could make her better, she had spent all her resources on doctors who had done nothing except made her worse. This condition, this bleeding, isolated her, excluded her because Jewish law said, that anyone who came in contact with her would be unclean. She's aware of Jesus' reputation, of the way that he healed the leper just by touching him. And so she longs to reach out, to touch, to touch Jesus, confident that she will be healed as well. Laying on a stretcher in an overcrowded emergency room, there was an older woman Her name was not known. She was all alone. No one was there to comfort her, to help her understand what was going on. One of my colleagues found herself in that same hospital visiting someone else when she walked past this woman on the stretcher and reached out and touched her hand. The woman's eyes filled with tears and grabbed my friend's hand tightly and pulled her close and whispered, thank you. No one, except those who have had to, like doctors, have touched me in years. Nameless, all three of these women know what exclusion feels like, what it feels like to be prohibited, rejected, left out, forgotten. They share with all of us yearnings, a great desire, a gnawing of our spirits to be included To be reached out to, to be touched, to know love, to know the fullness of what it means to live in community. A few weeks ago, Michelle and I were in Kansas City along with Rita to attend a conference at Church of the Resurrection, the largest United Methodist church in the United States. We were there with 2,500 other United Methodists, from mostly throughout the United States, but also throughout the world, who attended over 1,300 churches. And we were all there to talk about this yearning to be included and the ways that as a church, we can be inclusive. J.J. Warren, a seminary student from New York, shared another story during that time, a story of someone who also felt excluded. And so I want you to hear that story from him, I think. And as we talk about this yearning, I think of
1: that older woman who's been doing this job for a long time, and I also think about this time that I was working at a Methodist summer camp. And I was the spiritual life director, which You know, if you want to direct spiritual lives, it's not a very clear title, but uh, that's what I was tasked to do. And and so uh, we were doing worship one night, and I had the privilege of leading worship. And afterwards, this kid who I had seen growing up since, you know, he was coming to camp since he was seven. And he came up to me after worship, and he said, can we talk? And I said, sure, buddy, just you know, sit right here, right, right on these steps to the altar. And, and so there were still some folks around, and we sat down on the stairs of the altar. And this boy that I knew since he was seven, who came to camp and sang songs about Jesus loves me, sat on the steps of the altar of this Methodist summer camp and cried on my shoulder. He just burst out into tears in my sweaty camp t-shirt, got even more wet with his tears, and I just held him. And I said, it's okay. God loves you. We love you. In the camping ministries in Upper New York, we have three truths that we repeat every day of camp. There is a God. God loves you. And God wants a relationship with you. And so as he cried, I repeated these three truths. God loves you. There is a God, and that God loves you. And that God wants a relationship with you. And after a while, he, he dried his eyes, and he looked up, to, up at me, and he said, but I don't think God can love me. I'm sinful, JJ. I'm sinful. I'm gay, and I don't think God can love me. And then he put his head back on my shoulder and kept crying. And this boy had grown up going to this Methodist summer camp. And yet somehow even with us telling him every single day of every single year that there was a God who loved him. He came from a church and a culture that said God couldn't love him. Not for anything that he did, but because of who he was. And as I think about our yearning for a fully inclusive church, I think about that kid and the kids around the world who are told by their churches and their Methodist churches that God can't love them. Or maybe God can love them, but God can't love exactly who they are.
0: Remember that woman in the crowd who worked through all those people, those obstacles, just to touch Jesus's cloak. She did that because she was familiar with Jesus' reputation. That boy at summer camp that J.J. Warren talked about knew God's reputation. It had been told to him every day of every summer, that he attended that camp. There is a God, God loves you, and God wants a relationship with you. And yet, this boy heard something different from a church and a culture that had tarnished God's reputation and said, God does not love you today I am proud of you I'm proud of you as Kingstown for deciding to take a vote together to take a vote to make a statement about who you are and who you always have been and who you will strive to continue to be a church that is inclusive a church who says God loves you God wants a relationship with you. You, you, all of you are of sacred worth. A church that says this and lives this out not only for people like the woman in the crowd, or that woman on the stretcher, or that boy that J.J. shared about, but for all people, no exclusions. A church that lives into the vows that we take at our baptism. The vows that ask, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with Christ's church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. A church that extends beyond those things to welcome all people and include all people regardless of those things and regardless of ability, of gender, of sexual orientation, of economic background, and so much more. And yet, even though you are a church seeking to live into this, even though I come from a church that every day seeks to live into this, there will still be times when we still exclude. When we do or say things that blur God's reputation for others. When instead of calling people by name, we categorize them by one thing saying, the man who, the woman who, they who. And this is why before we ever come to this table, This table that is open for all people, no exclusions. We confess our sins before God and before one another. We lift up the ways that we have not loved each other well and we have not loved God well. And then we gather at this table that is open to all people to reach out, to touch God, to touch and experience and taste Jesus in the bread that is broken and the juice that is shared. After that woman in the crowd touches Jesus' cloak, of course, she is healed. And Jesus says to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from suffering. This woman who had been stripped of her name is no longer nameless
2: and excluded
0: but called daughter someone who has a personal relationship with Jesus. In Kansas City, J.J. Warren ended by sharing his own yearning. He yearns for one day when all people will be welcomed and loved and allowed to be themselves and feel their callings and answer their callings. He yearns for a place where together and collectively we talk to the people who have been talked about to work towards justice. How do we become individuals in a church who invites people to reach out and touch Jesus, who says, come, brother, sister, daughter, friend. Come. Come to this table. Come to this table and encounter God. Come to this table and reach out and touch the one who loves you, who desires a relationship with you. Come and encounter God through this community. Come and experience peace and go free from suffering, from all that is held on to you. Come all. Come whoever you are. Come and touch. Amen. Mm-hmm.